Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 32 through 44. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with me. If not, you can follow along on the screens. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So he took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe you have sent me. And when he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. May we say a prayer together. Gracious and holy Lord, thank you for this moment to be together. Use this time so that we may hear only your words and your message. And may the spirit of Christ that lives within each of us move now among us. Amen. How do you say it? How do you say it? My husband and I, we were dating at the time, and we needed a study break. We had been at the Vanderbilt Divinity Library for a little too long. We just needed a break, so we decided we wanted some ice cream. And at the time, there was a Ben and Jerry's right across the street. I don't know if it's still there. It was then. So we went over, and we had a study break, and we ordered our ice cream. I ordered my ice cream, and then out of the corner of my ear, I could kind of hear Nathan ordering his. And I said, what did you just say? I ordered a scoop of pralines and cream. I said, what? What? Pralines and cream. I said, uh, I think you mean pralines. The correct pronunciation is praline. And he said, no, I'm pretty sure it's a praline. After 13 years of marriage, I can tell you that both are good. Both are correct. They're different, but both are good. How do you say it? L-A-F-A-Y-E-T-T-E. 
where I'm from, we have friends who live in Lafayette, Louisiana. But when I go to Indiana to see the in-laws and my nieces and nephew, I visit a place called Lafayette. When we lived in Virginia, there was a street called Lafette. And in Kentucky these last eight years, every time I went home, I'd have to drive down a street called Lafayette. And just being here in Georgia these nine months, I've already found out there's a whole city named uh, the same spelling in Georgia. How do you say it? How you say it depends on your family of origin, your family experience, your life experience, who you've lived with, and where you've lived. All are good, all are correct, but how do you say it? Today, before us is All Saints Day, and we as a church universal, we have been celebrating All Saints Day since about year 600. And everyone has a different way of celebrating. Every tradition, every denomination, every church does it a bit differently. Here at Chapel Roswell, we will have a response time where you can come and light a candle in memory of someone. And before us, to get into this All Saints Day, we have the story of Lazarus. This story has been called or pronounced or interpreted very differently as well. Some people call this story the story of Bethany because this is one of the series of events that happen in a city called Bethany. Some people, though, call this story an isolated pericope. That just is, means it's a standalone story that can teach you something. Some people call this story the one that has the shortest Bible verse in the entire world. Because had I read the King James Version, you would have heard, Jesus wept. And yet some people call this story a healing story. They're all good. But let's get into it. So if you would imagine with me, Jesus is walking. And he's walking. And all of a sudden, a very emotional, very disturbed, very emotional Mary comes over and he says, Where have you been? I've been looking for you all day. Where have you been? This would not have happened had you been here. We know that whenever something bad happens, we always look to blame somebody. It's usually the guy that wasn't there. We get mad at somebody. And so here she is, emotional. Jesus, where have you been? I've been looking all day. And she's so distraught and so emotional that she literally falls to the ground at his feet. And I imagine Jesus weeping too, but as they cry, I imagine Jesus trying to pick her up by her shoulders. He says, where have you put him? Where have you laid him? And as Jesus weeps with the family and goes over to the tomb, of course there's a crowd. And like every crowd, there are people who offer words of support. Look how much he loved him. And like in every crowd, there are always people who criticize grief. Well, that's the guy that cured the blind man, but he couldn't do anything for this one. But Jesus weeps. 
And he goes over to where the tomb is, the cave, and he begins to give some instruction. And as he gives some instruction, Martha comes over. And of course, Martha is the very practical one here. She's saying, you know what? I know what you're trying to do here, Jesus, and you may want to think through this. There is paperwork. There's business to be done in death. Once death happens, there's always things that have to be taken care of. And I imagine that Martha was probably the one taking care of all those logistical, practical issues. Because here she is doing the same for Jesus. She says, really, you may not want to do this. It's been four days. It's not going to smell good. And this is my favorite part. Jesus goes over to the tomb. And in my mind, in my mind, Jesus stands there, arms spread out wide. And in a very loud, very bold, very solid, loud voice, Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And he does. Unbind him. And let him go. We all have people that we want to see again. We all have someone that we want to say, Jesus, can I have one more word with her? Jesus, can I just have one more touch with him? Jesus, I need one more moment. Just one more moment. But let's be honest. We all know somebody that it's okay if he just stays right there. It's true, isn't it? My uncle was one of them. When I was about 20 years old, I decided that I really just didn't need to finish this college degree I'd been working on. Just really didn't see the value of that degree at the time. And my college degree wasn't being very helpful to me at the time, and frankly, it was kind of getting in my way of doing some other things I wanted to do. Right about this time, my uncle decided to stop treatment for a second round of cancer he had in about two years. All the family was called in to begin to say our goodbyes. And I remember they lined the nieces and nephews up right in the couch in the living room, and we took turns. I remember it was my turn, and I walked in, and immediately I was hit with the smell of home mixed in with the smell of sickness. And I began to say goodbye. I told my uncle everything I wanted to say to him. It was good, too. I gave him every detail, specific memories that I would always hold on to. Of course, my uncle just looked at me. He didn't say a word. I didn't expect him to, though, because we'd all been warned he wouldn't talk to us. His voice was pretty weak, very frail. But instead, he just looked at me and took his little finger and he crooked it and went like this. I took my cue. I went right over to him, and I bent down a little bit. I locked eyes with him, 
And I said, I know. I love you too. She looked back up and went, And with a very loud, solid, bold voice, he said, Marion, if you do not go back and finish that college degree, I will haunt you every single day for the rest of your life, forever and ever and ever. I went back up, went to the door, opened the door, looked at my cousin, said, next, you're up. His way of saying goodbye was a little differently than my way of saying goodbye. But I will tell you, I finished my college degree, then went back and got a second, a master's degree, just for good measure. <laughs> I will never forget the way he said my name. And I imagine the crowd that was there will never forget the way Jesus said the name Lazarus. In Scripture, Jesus does all sorts of healings. And they're all different, and they're all good. The man who was blind, he was made well by his faith and with the dirt and the saliva. The hemorrhaging woman of 12 years was cured by touching the hem of the garment. There was a man with evil spirits and even a little girl who was very sick. And all of them have been healed some way by their faith. But yet this story is clearly different because Jesus uses a name. By calling out a name, Jesus calls death out of the cave and back into life. By just using a name, Jesus calls death out of the cave and back into life. This is a story about the gift of life. Because when Lazarus was standing there with his back to the tomb, he was a symbol of victory. And when Lazarus was walking away from that tomb, he was a symbol of glory. And when Lazarus was sitting at a dinner table with his friends just a few events later, Lazarus is a symbol of God's love. This is a story of the gift of life. I don't know what you heard in this story. I don't know how you say it. It could be that in this story, you heard that grief is keeping you in a cave. Could be that you heard that you have resentment or shame or forgiveness, and those bands are getting tighter. It could even mean that somehow you've had life experiences or church experiences that are keeping you under a shroud. God is calling you out by name so that we can live as unbound people. Her name was Aaron. Aaron got married, and her abuse began with some helpful feedback, which then escalated um, to full-on criticism. 
which then escalated to not being allowed to see her friends, which escalated to isolation from family, which escalated to moving far away from the states that she knew, which led to complete dependence on her husband, which led to extreme physical abuse. There was one day when she got a phone call from her son's school. She wasn't allowed a driver's license, so she had to find a neighbor to give her a ride to school. She got to this school, and sure enough, there was a school counselor waiting for her. And immediately, she ran to the counselor, and she's very frantic, very emotional, said, okay, where is he? Where is he? Is he okay? What's happened? Just tell me everything. And the school counselor said, oh, no, no, your son is great. He's in class doing really well. We called to talk to you. Behind office doors, they put together what we call a safety plan. And that safety plan included going right then to get the son and take Erin and her son to the domestic violence emergency shelter. And I'll tell you, the time that they spent with us at the shelter, they were very quiet, very kept to themselves. Aaron and this little boy, they didn't play with anyone, they didn't eat with anyone, they didn't talk with anyone, they stayed together all the time. If they were in shelter, they were right there. And there was a few weeks had passed, and Aaron came into my office with her case manager, and she said, I think it's time I call my mom. I said, oh, great, what do you need? She said, well, I just don't want my son in the room when I do. I said, no problem. It just so happens we have a wonderful fall festival happening. We had this great glassed-in courtyard, and we really were having a wonderful fall festival. It had a bounce house and face painting and pumpkins and hot dogs and games. Anything you would need in a fall festival, we had it in that glassed-in courtyard. So the plan was the son would go and play while the mom made a phone call. Well, the son was having nothing to do with it. <laughs> so we made a compromise. This little boy would sit in the hallway with one of our staff, and on the other side of the wall, his mom could make the phone call. So there, Erin left her son in this chair, slumped over, head down, not paying attention to any of the fun happening. On the other side of that wall, Erin made a call. And of course, we had surrounded her with a crowd to support her. She made her phone call. It was the first time she heard her mother's voice in five years. And there was weeping, and there was emotions, and there was an even, where have you been? And more emotions. And then some instructions were given, and then some practical, logistical parts of the conversation happened. Because you see, Aaron's mother had invited her to come and live in Texas every single day for the rest of her life, forever and ever and ever and ever. Erin went back to 
leave the door into the hallway to collect her son, only he wasn't there. She got a little panicked. <laughs> and immediately, the staff person just pointed right outside the window. And there he was. This little boy was in a castle, jumping up and down, up and down, <laughs> up and down. And even though his back was to us, we could tell he was smiling. Up and down, up and down. And you know how it is when you're in a bounce house, you can't help but kind of go in a little circle. <laughs> he started to bounce in a circle, and as soon as he kind of, we saw the side, we noticed, oh my goodness, he is smiling and laughing and playing with other children. Up and down, up and down. And it took him a little minute, but he made his little way bouncing full circle to the point where he could see through the door of that castle out to the window where his mother on the other side was. And let me tell you, that little boy, while he was just a-bouncing, and as soon as he saw his mom, he had a huge smile on his face. And I'm telling you, I saw it. His arms went out really wide, and in a very strong and loud voice for all to hear, he said, Mom, come out! With every step she took toward her son, I'm pretty sure I saw a band of cloth fall away. Amen. Today is a day indeed that we remember all of the people that we have loved. It's a day for us to light a candle in their memory. And you will be invited to the rails, and you can light a candle for a person or a thought that you need to remember today. And if you need a second candle, that's okay too. The lighters are along the rails. You can pick them up and light a candle. Today, as we remember too, all of the people who have paved a path for us, we remember that commitment they've made. And today is the Sunday that we ask that you make a commitment to our church. There are pledge cards that some of you may have already. There, if you don't have one, there are pledge cards by these offering baskets in the back. They're very easy to fill out. You put your name, you put an email, and you make your commitment to the church. And if you don't want to do it on paper, you can do it online. Just go to rmc.com pledge, and you can make that commitment online. But as you come to the rails, if you have those commitment cards, you can put your card here in these baskets. And this will be our symbol today to say we remember what others have done for us so that we may worship, and we honor that and want to make sure others can continue to worship. For any other ways that you want to give, just go online to Chapel Roswell or come back to the Connection Center and we can tell you more of that. Now, before our response, let us be in prayer. Gracious and holy Lord, we indeed thank you for these moments. We thank you that you are a God of all things. We thank you that you are the God of life. 
and we ask you now to use us as we need to be used. Continue to work within us so that we can hear you calling us out of all things. And Lord, as we remember the people that we have loved, may you fill us with those good memories. And may you allow their spirit to live in us in such a way that we can be good people for others. May the lessons that they've given us, may they continue to stir and inspire us to love you deeper and more. Lord, you bless all of the commitments we've made before now and the ones that we will continue to make. And may the spirit of Christ that's moved among us return within us. Amen. The rails are open. Come and remember. <laughs>